in fights um one announcement and two fights from the weekend uh oscar valdez retaining his wbo featherweight championship against uh scott quigg in a very gutsy performance from quigg uh, is, it, is it gutsy we say it's gutsy i think it was a brave definitely a brave performance but definitely oscar's uh skills definitely prevailed um we got uh mikey garcia um Lipinets. Lipinets, and we have uh, the announcement of Lenares and Lomachenko. So, uh, Anam, take it away. Yeah, so, uh, mate, what do you think of uh, Garcia's performance uh, on the night? And uh, can you see him unifying the division? Yeah, uh, great performance from uh, Garcia moving up uh, again to, um, you know, make his mark on the 140 division. Uh, Sergo Lipinets is definitely no pushover. And uh, I think just uh, the way Garcia was able to, uh, you know, just sort of take um the the front foot and uh you know force the uh force the pace of the fight and uh sort of dictated to his own leisure and it was a a very comprehensive victory and uh i think in terms of 140 and going on to unify obviously that now that uh terence crawford's moved up to 147 the uh, division's definitely opened up and uh more belts are available for garcia to uh you know get both hands on so um yeah, I mean, uh, the, we've we've heard that the fight for Linares and Lomachenko has just been agreed. Uh, in fact, you know, there's Twitter reports coming out; it's been confirmed. I've not actually seen anything yet from anyone in in those camps or the management, but let's just accept that it's probably happening. Do you think Garcia face the winner of that would be a great fight? Yeah, definitely. I think that's the the, the natural fight to happen. I think um, obviously with Lomachenko moving up from super feather to um, lightweight. I can't see why if uh, Lomachenko does come through that fight, um, Garcia can't come back down because he has um, told well everyone after the fight that he's uh, willing to come back down to 135, uh, clean up there, then move up to 140, clean up there, and then you know chase that fifth uh, world title um, in a different light. Obviously, uh, fifth world title at 147, and uh, just I think Garcia now is such a such a marquee name that he can sort of attract any fight and. Um, yeah, I'd love to see that fight between uh, the winner of that and Garcia. So yeah, I think I probably agree with most of what you said there. You know, I think I think he won quite comfortably, but I do feel that 140 pound is probably his limit. You know, I think at 147 he's going to struggle with the size. You know, I don't think you know unless he finds a really easy option to win a title at the fifth fifth title. You know, at fifth weight division like 147 pounds. I can't see. I can't see him doing it with the likes of Furman, yeah. Spencer, Errol Spencer Jr. So do you think Sean that Peter, is? The um, fight. They're too big, too strong, you know. So I think what he should probably do is, um, you know, he's he's got his map deck. You know, so many options for him now. Really, you know, the fight between the winner of Lomachenko Linares is going to be, uh, you know, him fighting one of those is going to be a super fight. You know, it's it's going to be a mega fight. So I think that's what he should target next. Um, in the meantime, you know, he can have a stay busy 140 pound fight, you know, defend his title. And I think, yeah, you know, have, have, have one stay busy fight and then move on. And uh, do you personally think that you've obviously touched on there that moving up to 147 could be, you know, a push too far? Do you think his, um, in terms of his skill set and his um, ring generalship, that he'd be able to cope with the uh, elite in that division? Or do you think it's too far? No, I think the size differential, because I mean, the, the elites of that division, they're just as good as him. You know, like you got someone like you know Keith Thurman, the likes of Errol Spence Jr. I, th- I think they're too big, mate. I think th- I think th- you know, and we could see at 140 pounds. You know, it's going to probably take him one or two fights to adjust that weight. But I just can't see him doing it at 147 personally. What about yourself? Yeah, I definitely agree with what you said there about the uh, obviously the likes of Spence and Thurman. I'd much rather see Garcia, 
you know, stick to cleaning up 135 and then 140 because I don't think he'd have to prove anything more um, after he's achieved, like, unifying the titles at two weight classes and then maybe if there's a big money fight at 147 and he can catch the likes of Furman and Spence sort of off guard and when they're sort of maybe on the decline, which I can't see either of them, you know, going um, down because obviously they're youth and um, they're at their peak now so they can just, you know, showcase what they're all about. But... Um, a fight was said the likes of Flanagan as well as another a tasty fight. Would you agree? Yes, I would. Um, again, I think that's uh, that's one of the easy options, isn't it, to unify? You know, uh, everyone was targeting Flanagan at 135. Lomachenko was going to come up to 135 and fight Flanagan. Um, I think I think that's an easy fight for Garcia. I think you should definitely take it. When is Flanagan's fight? Uh, he's fighting Morris Hooker on the April 14th card. Yeah, so he could theoretically he could fight the winner of that fight. And then look to move down to 135 to fight the winner of Lomachenko Linares. I think, I think that's a good fight, yeah. yeah what, what about yourself? Do you think that's it? Yeah, I think Flanagan, I think he needs that fight. Um, well, he needs a fight of that calibre uh, to really, you know, push himself and test himself. Um, at the moment, I'd say Garcia would be the the heavy favourite, being that he's, you know, he's operated with the much better class of opponent. And I think if it was to, say, happen in the States... Um, whether Flanagan would, you know, take that fight, I think he's more likely to attract it over to the UK. And um, yeah, I think just in terms of skill set and uh, experience, because you know, we saw everyone sort of forgets that the the amount of fights that Garcia's had, just because he's had a layoff and he's come back and he's been so impressive, that it's just like a fresh fighter. Mm. So um, it would be. Where do you think he ranks in the pound for pound lists at the moment? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, in terms of maybe. I'd say I'd push him right into the top. I'd say I'd put him just top five. I'd say he'd be fifth or fourth or fifth, definitely. Would you say he's higher than Lomachenko? Because um, I've always put Lomachenko one or two, so yeah. probably probably not. No. Yeah, I mean, I would. And I would do it on the basis he's unified. You know, he's won titles now, four divisions. And he's won it with uh, different titles as well. You know, whereas uh, Lomachenko has always been the WBO. Um, two yeah, divisions true. he's not looked to unify anything like that you know um, and I think Garcia has probably had the better opposition as well um, so on that basis I'd probably put him above Lomachenko it's an interesting conversation because I saw a strong debate about it on Facebook which is why I'm asking yeah. and we always talk about this every week sort of how yeah. would you define pound for pound is it whether yeah. you know fighters unify all the titles yeah. Yeah. is it whether they've had the, those stand up names yeah. on their records it's kind of a but you know if Lomachenko beats Linares then he has to be there, easy one or two, you know. Um, the only person I'll put above Lomachenko at that stage probably be still with Crawford. Yeah. You know, but it's going to be a tight one because at that point, Lomachenko, in such a short space of time, would have fought so many top-notch opposition, right? And to win three world titles in three weight divisions in under, what, 12 fights? Something that, I mean, it's, 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 it's not been done, stuff. is it? It's, you know, and we don't know whenever, when it's going to be done again. So anyway, guys, let's uh, move the focus on to uh, Valdez v. Quig. Uh, what do you make of the fight, Tom? Yeah, I watched the fight the next morning, and um, yeah, I'd obviously seen like the uh, the news that um, you know Valdez won the fight and uh, quite comprehensively. And then I watched it back, and I just uh, yeah, Valdez's skill was just unbelievable. And uh, I think Quig definitely showed a lot of heart, and he was definitely you know trying to find you know ways in which he could break down Valdez because he knew that he probably physically. Had a little bit more than him, but I think just Valdez's footwork is um, 
you know, variation, his knowledge and just his, his boxing brain got him through the fight and he was just so, it was so well orchestrated the way he was able to pick Quig off and, you know, do some damage there. So It was a slugfest, you know. Um, I mean, I saw, I saw, you know, we, we put a prediction out on, on Friday um, and one of them was uh, Valdez will win on points, uh, starting off KG and then it become a war. And that's pretty much what happened, you know, because they're both come forward fighters. I respect Valdez a lot more in this than Garcia. Reason being, Garcia came in 142 pounds in the night. He was massive. Right? He had a huge advantage over this guy, right? And for Valdez to do the amount of damage he's done to Quig, even though he's got such a big weight advantage, I mean, that's that's something special. But we talk about the list of damage, you know? Quig, Quig, looked, Quig looked like a Thundercat, mate. I don't know if you've ever watched Thundercats, the cartoon. <laughs> Um, you know, so yeah, I thought you know Valdez literally beat Quig into Thundercats, but also with the broken nose. Yeah. But also uh, Valdez had a broken jaw. You know, he had teeth smashed, and his wrist was damaged as well. So that was a brutal, brutal fight. You know, um, but, and I'm, but I'm happy Valdez won the fight. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm happy he won the fight. You know, it just wouldn't have been the right thing. It's such a big weight advantage if Quig had won the fight. Yeah, and uh, one question I just wanted to ask. Obviously, there was rumours that, um, you know, before the fight happened, that Quig, you know, he didn't have the best of camps. And obviously, moving out to the States, how he's been able to, you know, sort of digest that uh, new lifestyle. And um, yeah, he's uh, said that there was, uh, was a fractured foot going through camp and that he had a fracture in his... Um, his foot. So, do you think um, he should have taken the fight? Um, I don't accept that, man. You know, people don't get world title shots that easily, right? You know, he's had to have three, four solid fights at featherweight to get this world title shot. Okay, we see time and time and again, fighters get injured. That's part and parcel of this game, right? Why has he carried on? Why have you carried on with a damaged foot to come in to a fight above weight? with no hope of winning title. What is the objective of that? What is the point of that? So yeah. I don't buy it. You know, if it genuinely was the case, then it's been badly managed, you know, and it's been badly advised. What he should have done is pull the fight off. I believe he was the mandatory. Someone can verify that. You know, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But if he indeed was the mandatory, he would have had the fight again. You know, he should have taken a rest, recovered, come back and have done it properly. Yeah, 100%. And I think as well, you know, you can't really blame just the fractured foot for being... You know, so unprofessional at the weigh and not making the weight. It wasn't just by, you know, half a pound or a pound. Mm. It was three pounds overweight. And yeah. that's, you know, that can't be taken lightly. In a, that's a big percentage in a world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where does he go from here, Tom? Oh, it's a hard one. Uh, I, th I think he definitely gave a good account of himself. And obviously, you know, Valdez has been, uh, you know, tipped as the next massive uh, star, Mexican star. And um, to go 12 rounds, you know, in a brutal fight, he had him hurt as well. Um, I think it was the sixth round, Quig caught him with a, an overhand right and it definitely wobbled him, caught him straight on the chin. Um, but then obviously being a champion, uh, Valdez had to, you know, get over that and uh, recuperate and then come back strong. And he, you know, even uh, Eddie Hearn touched on it at the end that, you know, he thought Valdez would tire down the stretch. But, you know, actually Valdez got stronger, you know, by the eighth, ninth, tenth round. So, yeah, um, yeah in terms of, I think he should definitely target those fights in the UK with the likes of, you know, even if he faces the loser of Selby Warrington or, you know, the winner or, you know, even Kid Galahad's around, you know, and he's kind of uh, avoided that fight. Um, and there's, there is massive fights at Fedway. It's, it's a great division. and He needs should... to build himself up again, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but what you, all the, everything you just talked about, apart from Kid Galahad, all of them are Warren fighters. 
yeah. you know, what is the likelihood that, you know, you can actually make those fights? That's the case, isn't it? Cross broadcasters and, you know, you know, promoters, you know, you know, not letting their fighters get the opportunity to fight um, another fighter in their division from I mean, opposing. It didn't look like Hearn was overly impressed when he did make weight. Yeah, you know, and I'm just wondering whether Hearn's just thinking, look, man, the slog with this guy's gonna be too long. Whether he just lets him go, because you know, it's it's in Quig's interest for Hearn to really let him go. Because you think, like, what is the point of me keeping him? He's not gonna get any big domestic fights. Yeah, you know what? Let him go. Let him go with Quarren. Get a big for a couple of fights. You know, if he can get back up there, I'll take him back. You know, so I think that's that's what he should be looking at, in my opinion. Yeah. I think he should have a chat with Hearn and say, look, mate, you know. Uh, Whatever's happens, happened. I think for my career, the best thing for me now to do is probably just leave match room, get get up, get with um, Warren. Because I remember a show. Warren was doing a show with the Fedweights on there, um, and 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 he suggested it. You know, join me, right? And he did look. You know, quick didn't seem like he wouldn't do it. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's what he needs to do. He needs to join up with Warren. Uh, agree with you. Fight Frampton. Yeah, again on a yeah. rematch. You know. Um, fight the winner or loser even of Selby Warrington I mean those would be you know, the, the find the loser of that will put him right back up again and I think definitely you know? as a domestic featherweight um, you know your opportunities are going to be limited in the States you know if you're not with Frank Warren at the moment obviously with having such a uh, you know a stable of featherweights under that banner you know Quig's going to be limited he's probably not going to get another opportunity in the States to fight for a world title and then where do you sort of look at the matchroom setup and you've only really got one or two fighters that come you know, close to being on his uh, his level. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree with you there that uh, Quig should possibly look at and move over. But I also think that the decision to move over to America and not discrediting Freddie, Freddie Roach or um, trainers over in the States, but I don't know if it was the correct decision. I don't know how you uh, feel about his uh, move over to the Yeah, I think he did States. make the right move, mate. You know, like, um, I think with someone like Gallagher, he can only take people up to a certain level. And the Frampton fight was just piss poor, man. I mean, like, what was going on in that in that corner? Just, just didn't make any sense. So I think he probably did, you know, peak with Gallagher, you know, and uh, so it was it was the right move to move trainers. Whether it was the right move to move to the states with Freddie Roach or something else, you know, what he should have probably gone with with someone a bit more of a technical trainer. You know, Freddie Roach has always been the forward comp, you know, the aggressive fighter with the likes of Manny Pacquiao, you know. You see what I'm trying to say? So that really wasn't what, you know, I mean, because he's already an aggressive fighter. He's a come forward body puncher. You know, what was he lacking? He was lacking that technical ability. Yeah. Whereas Frampton called him, he's a bit stupid. You know, he's not a thinking boxer. You know, so that's what he should have gone and developed. You know, and I don't think that's what Fred Roach is. He should have got someone like what, Virgil Hunter. You know, even Floyd Mayweather Senior. You know, someone like that would have been a good trainer, in my opinion. And I think Quig embarks too much on his, um, you know, his work ethic. And he's always saying, oh, I'm the most dedicated fighter. And I suppose it probably, you know, came back and, you know, hit him in the face that he didn't make weight, but yeah. there's obviously no excuse for that. But I think, yeah, definitely what separates Quig with, say, you know, that next level with the likes of Selby, who's yet to really prove his, uh, you know, his worth to yeah. the division with the sort of opponents that he's come up against. But definitely with the likes of Valdez, Frampton, um, Santa Cruz, their just skill is just on a different level and that's yeah. what separates them between the two um sort of the elite and then the, the world-class level. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, mate. And where do you think uh, Valdez goes from here? I think Valdez probably should now start stepping up, you know, looking at unifying, possibly. 
you know, someone fighting Len, Leo Santa Cruz, that would be a massive fight. The winner yeah. of him and Morris, do you reckon, could happen next? Yeah, you know, all American, Mexican, Mexican, American. I mean, that that would be a massive fight over in the States, number one. Number two, it will be a slugfest, you know, especially if it's Leo Santa Cruz, right? It would be a slugfest. That would be a phenomenal fight. I mean, who would you have in there? Santa Cruz versus Valdez, who would you go for? Yeah, like you said, it'd definitely be a, a slugfest. I think definitely both uh, would come to the centre ring and trade. Um, I'd probably have to edge towards Santa Cruz with his uh, sort of his his height and his uh, his reach. Um, Valdez is obviously very good on the inside. Um, so, yeah, so it's a 50, definitely a 50-50. I think um, if Valdez is able to sort of, you know, use his feet to get around that jab of uh, Santa Cruz and, you know, sort of force him to lunge in a bit and then sort of pick him off. Um, I think Valdez could definitely win quite well on points, but I'd have to favour with Santa Cruz. Um, yeah, Santa Cruz has just got that... that uh, what's what I'm trying to like that, slick that, sort of... Not just slick, you know, it's the amount of times he can punch his... You know, he's, he's not, not the variety, his output. His and punch output is just and, phenomenal, yeah. you know. I mean, no one can match him in the amount of punches per round he throws, you know. And that gives him a massive advantage over other fighters, especially in that kind of weight class. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is the experience he's got, the calibre of a position that he's full. I think he beats Valdez. Um, think he stops him? Pulls, no, I don't think he stops him. Man, he's just been through a massive war. You see that? He's just come through, you know. So I don't think he's going to get stopped, but I think, you know, Cruz will win, you know, small margin, but will probably win on points. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Yeah, what else is in the news, mate? What else happened this this week in the world of boxing? And what's, you know, we've got Linares, uh, Lomachenko, that's been finalised. Yeah, what are I think your thoughts? That's, yeah, it's a great matchup stylistically, and um, I think it's the fight that, you know, everyone's sort of been uh, waiting for. Um, yeah, I think uh, in terms of. There was definitely one question that came to my mind straight away when I saw that Lomachenko would move up again, you know, too lightweight and fight Linares. But um, how do you think he'd handle the uh, the weight and the natural uh, fully fledged well, weight of uh, Linares at lightweight? Well, I can't, can't, can't really answer that. You know, I mean, this is the first time he's going to be stepping up to 135 pounds. So that is the big unknown here, isn't it? You know, if this was an even playing field and this was at 130 pounds, you know, you'd have to have Lomachenko as the favourite, right? The fact is, he's stepping up and he's a fight there with no, it's a five pounds more in weight, right? You know, it's a you know it's, it's quite a big increase from 130 pounds. So, Linares will clearly have the size advantage. He's been accustomed to that weight, and bear in mind, you know, this guy Linares is a pound for pound. He's he's, he's on a lot of lists, the people's pound for pound list, yeah. multi weight division world champion. The way he beat Crawler that second time, you know, he was he was. When he was first going through Gold Rumble, he was one of the, supposed to be one of the rising superstars of world boxing, right? And he sort of like, you know, lost a couple of fights. You know, I think there was just something happening in his life. He just lost, and then he just found his wind again, and he's just become the elite boxer that he was supposed to be. From Garcia and Linares, I, I, I've always thought Linares will probably deal better with Lomachenko than Garcia, and the reason being is I just think he's got that rapid footwork, he's got that rapid punching ability brilliant technician himself right so it's not going to be no easy feat for Lomachenko don't get me wrong he's going to have a size disadvantage to deal with number one and number two he's dealing with a serious technician here it's, I think it's going to be a closely fought fight Yeah, it's going to be a closely fought fight and I might give it to Linares mate on uh, on points just yeah. just now just on initial thoughts just thinking about it I think I'll just give it to Linares yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well because even though I do really like Lomachenko and I've said that, you know, at featherweight and super featherweight, he'd clean up, you know, he'd beat mm. the large majority of uh, 
people. And I think with terms of, I don't think Linares gets enough credit. Obviously, you mentioned there that he's on most people's pound for pounds list. But then when you sort of, you know, put Linares up with, you know, the likes of Crawford, Garcia, he probably doesn't get the mm. credit he deserves. And he's been around a long time. He's had tough fights back to back. You know, he's gone numerous rounds. And uh, that's probably going to be the only downfall for him against someone as fresh as Lomachenko. You know, he's had tough fights. He's been off the back of, you know, consecutive training camps. Um, but yeah, definitely with in terms of his uh, footwork and his uh, technical uh, skill, he's um, he's definitely match. He'll definitely match Lomachenko um, with that, and it's probably underrated a little bit. Cool. So we've got uh, line someone on the line. Uh, 985, 985. Hello. Hello. Hello, 985. Are you there? Hello there. Hi, Dad. Hello. Dude, how you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. How are you doing? Very good, very good, D. Uh, D uh, we started a bit early today. I don't know if you heard the earlier part of the show. We're talking about um Valdez and Quig, we talked about Garcia Lipinets and we're talking about Linares okay. and Lomachenko fighting uh, in a couple of weeks time. What would you like to talk about mate? Uh you know what I just tuned in. Linares and Lomachenko I think that'll be a fantastic fight. Um I'm a Linares admirer. Um for me he takes it takes it like like Linares. Yeah. Um love these you love these performance against Krilla, um last year I can't remember when it was last year I think that was one of my favourite performances of mm, the year mm, to be fair mm. um, absolute masterclass Fantastic. and um, yeah that, that'll that be a good fight yeah. what I wanted to ask you was um, what you think about Kel Brook moving up to 154 mm. and do you think he can have an impact in that division and uh, is he a threat mm. or is he or is he on his last legs and just looking for big paydays now. Yeah. I just wanted to know your opinion on that. So he, he put a post up, right? He done an interview on Sky Sports, yeah, where he said, "If I fight Errol, Errol Spence Jr. at 154 pound, I will absolutely damage him, right?" And then yeah. Errol, J. Sp yeah. Errol Spence Jr. just saw that and came back and said, so "Listen, mate, right? Keep wishing, keep wishing. Next time I mash up both your eyes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know." Um, so my, my my view, you know, my view is Kel Brook. I don't think he's going to make a serious impact at 154 pounds. You know, he's going to... The call dropped. He must have hung up, did he? Yeah. Is it? You know, the he's, he's, he's you know, he's uh, on 154 pounds. I thought, you know, I think he's going to, not going to have much of an impact, you know, unless you fight someone like Saddam Ali. You've got some killer, killer champions like Charlo. Uh, Ellis Nainilares fired in Hurd. So one of those two winners are going to unify and be holding two belts. I just don't think he's going to be able to do it, mate. You know, he might. You know, if he managed to get fight with someone like Saddam Ali, he might be champion. And then, you know, if if, if things go to plan with, uh, you know, Errol Spence fighting him again, as as they sort of been talking about on Twitter, I think he just beats him again, mate. Ways, Tom, what do you think? Yeah, I'm glad you actually brought that up. Um, yeah, because I think, you know, Brooks obviously had his first fight at 154. Rabchenko, you know, they was brought in, you know, as like a. Um, a, t a, a tough enough test and it was a d they were saying it was a dangerous fight but definitely uh, Brook showed um, sort of his levels and there is levels um, when you sort of you know you've been around welterweight for a long time and you know you've proved yourself at welterweight and then to move up and uh, blast him out so quickly and then um, you know prove himself when he's moved up seven pounds um, 
I think he's definitely got a chance with the likes of, you know, there's champions there where you could look and put him up against Brook and say, you know, well, I'd definitely give Brook a good chance with the likes of Hurd. Mm. Um, maybe not necessarily Laura because he's obviously very skillful and uh, Charlo's just very explosive and he's always, you know, um, been emphatic with his uh, his power and stuff. So Okay, so... Um... Yeah, so um, so let's go back to Linares Lomachenko. <clears throat> how how do you think the fight will Lomachenko will fan out? Yeah, I think um, in terms of at the start, I think it will definitely be sort of a cagey affair with both fighters. You know, sort of using their their skill and their feet. I think it's definitely going to play a crucial role for both fighters because that's their strength. You know, Linares's footwork and his sort of pressure that he puts on fighters, and then Lomachenko. His ability to change angles, you know, his feet also. I think it's definitely going to be a clash of styles there. Um, I think Linares probably got to use his uh, his natural size and his uh, his range to keep Lomachenko away because you know if you get too close to Lomachenko, he could spin you off and catch you. But what I'm trying to say is, that, you know, you can't keep spinning all night. You know, no. I mean, you know, you can spin and spin and spin, but that's all he's going to be doing, isn't it? He's going to have to fight at some point, right? You know. So he spins away, spins away, spins away. At some point, he engages. What happens? Yeah, engages. I think Linares has the beaten of him because mm. you don't really see Lomachenko. You know, he's kind of his quick flurries and then he's out. So he doesn't really, you know, stand there and trade. I think they all play into Linares' hands if he does that. Um, but then if Linares is sort of, you know, trying to force him to get to the bits, uh, center of the ring and trade with him, that could play back into Lomachenko's hands, in my opinion. Okay. Um, what how, you know? Do, who who <clears throat> should the winner fight Garcia at some point in the future? Something we discussed earlier on, and all right, let's go through it. Lomachenko wins. Lomachenko Garcia. How does he map out? I think Garcia wins that fight. Yeah. Um. I think. I don't, I think there's only so far. Like we obviously we said, you know, about Garcia moving up again to 147. It's sort of similar to Lomachenko because mm, you know Lomachenko has mm. gone through the lighter weights and now he's coming up to lightweight. Is that a step too far? Like it's a step too far, possibly for Mikey mm. Garcia. We're not saying we're not like you know discrediting that move for either because we know that they're capable of you know beating those uh, top fighters in the division. But I think like. A, a lot of fights recently it's all been sort of down to size and you know the naturally bigger the fighters but, but don't forget Garcia started as a featherweight he started exactly the same position where um, Lomachenko started yeah. Lomachenko started as a featherweight Garcia started as a featherweight so theoretically speaking right they're, you know, they're both they're both sort of like peaked at this kind of right weight division haven't they same weight division Yeah. so you know does he really have weight, weight, weight advantage there? As in, both of them started off at the same weight to start with and now they've moulded into, you know, sort of years have gone now, they've moulded as fighters. Um, I think in terms of, you know, Garcia proving himself at a higher weight than Lomachenko is definitely going to be a strength um, and an advantage for uh, Garcia, but... I don't think it's just going to be weight that plays a factor on the night. I think skill, um, boxing brain, because I, I don't think, you know, Loma, um, Linares and Garcia are naive enough to, you know, they're going to be clever against someone like Lomachenko because they know his ability. They know that he's, you know, he's just as clever a boxer. He's probably one of the most clever boxers out there. Hmm. Um, so they've just got to be smart and uh, use what their strengths are to try and nullify 
the ability and skill of Lomachenko. Okay, fair enough. Uh, mate, did you watch uh, the Indongo fight? Indongo Progre? I didn't manage to catch that. You taught me through it. Yeah, I'll talk you through it. You know, as we're discussing on Raps on TV, we had made lots of predictions. I will bring it up about the predictions. What were you predicting is going to happen? I don't think I said anything. I don't think I, I think did. Did I? I think you and Paul were talking about um, <laughs> basically Indongo's experience and size will be a whitewash. My prediction was Progre seems to have a solid KO ratio. Younger man coming to the fight seems like a typical um, changing of the guard kind of fight. And that's pretty much what happened. He battered him, mate. Two but rounds, he was out. I hadn't seen much of the uh, the American, um, so I couldn't really give a judgment on that. I knew Ndongo, you know, obviously coming off that defeat to Crawford, it probably would have, you know, had an effect on his confidence and definitely disheartened him a bit. I don't know whether he'd had enough left because he's already, you know, beaten. 35. He was 35 years of age, mate, for going to this fight. I think that's his last fight. It's I'd hard to come back from that. You know, whether it's his last fight, it's, it's definitely his last fight at this level. You know, that was for the WBC title. I don't think he's going to get a title shot again. Um, he might have one or two more fights, but I, th- I think that's probably the end of Ndongo's career, mate, you know. Um, so, um, do you want to just quickly touch on the uh, the fight on the weekend? Because obviously we're not, it's not a, a massively packed uh, yep, yep, weekend. Yep. We've obviously got Joe Joyce, um, another Haymaker Ring Star um, feature at the York Hall. Uh, got Joe Joyce, um in a, t- a tough, I haven't heard much of his opponent, but as a third professional fight, he's stepping up again. I think the guy's got 16 wins and one loss or something like that. Definitely a winning record. So do you think that's a good move for Joyce? Yeah, I think, look, it's, it's his third fight, man. You know I mean? It'd, it'd be a very, very bad matchmaking if they really got him a tough challenge at this point. Um, so guys the Skype is back on if you want to get into the studio and start calling in start calling in uh, apologies for that uh, apologies for that Magic Ken has done some something and he's got it sorted you know uh, well done Ken um, so yeah I mean I'd be very very surprised if Joyce doesn't win I'd be very very surprised if he doesn't win by KO the guy's 6 foot 9 or 6 foot massive, 10 massive you know heavyweight. but I, I think Joyce will win com- quite comfortably yeah I'd have to agree too I think it's sort of made for him that, you know, obviously with that uh, Chisora fight, you know, rumoured for the uh, Hey Bellew card. Yeah. I think if he just keeps, you know, smoking these guys, yeah. you know, one, two rounds, it's just definitely uh, giving him that opportunity to uh, get those big fights. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so there's uh, there's news that's coming in that Sergei Derevchenko with Dimitris Andrade uh, has been agreed by the terms and, to, uh, uh, you know, it's been offered to HBO. What did you make of that fight, mate? Yeah, good fight. Um, Andrade is definitely uh, looking to uh, you know, make his mark on the uh, middleweight division. Um, he's moved up, right, from 154? Yeah. Yeah, he's moved up. So um, himself, uh, Charlo, also moving up. So, yeah, it's a good mix. And uh, I definitely don't think he's going to be uh, wasting a lot of time before he gets those uh, big fights. Okay. Anything Anything? Anything? anything else? Any other boxing news this week, mate? Uh, any other boxing news? No, like I said, it's... Quiet week this week. It was St. Patrick's Day weekend, so a lot of uh, yeah. Lot any of plans? It. Any plans for St. Patrick's uh, Patrick's Day, mate? You going back to uh, back to watch the rugby? I think on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. N- nothing. No, no. Go back to uh, Ireland to the motherland. Nah, no, <laughs> no, uh, no bacon and cabbage for me this week. Oh, okay, <laughs> so guys, it seems like we've got quite quite a day today. We haven't got anyone on the line. Uh, we covered everything we had. Uh, went started off a bit early today because I got to shoot off. Um, so I think let's just wrap up for this week. So guys, don't forget, 
yeah, just uh, tune in, just keep tuning in um, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Raps on TV, all lowercase, YouTube also. Got some content coming, um, content coming um, more often now. We've got some uh, video uh, interviews and stuff, so we're definitely uh, making a, making a, yeah, um, yeah. Make sure, make sure you uh, download the download the uh, from uh, iTunes. Also visit our uh, website www.rapsontv.com to get all our latest articles. I'll see you next week. See you next week, guys.